So we are, again, continuing this series, and we are wrapping up here um, this last uh, title of Jesus as described here in Isaiah. But as we do that, celebrate this Christmas Sunday, we uh, will come together on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock uh, here together in person, and we will be streaming it online as well. So if you're not able to join us in person, you're welcome to join us online uh, as we come together on Christmas Eve uh, to uh, to celebrate uh, the Christ child. And again, we'll light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve uh, as we conclude our Advent wreath on on uh, coming up on uh, on December 24th at six o'clock. I said we'd love to have you join us here in person or join us online. Um, but as we do that, I said, we've been uh, looking at, at this, this verse throughout this Christmas season. It's Isaiah 9-6. Um, this, and this theme of experiencing the world changer. And we, we know, again, this year, more than most, we are all in need of the hope and the joy and the warm feelings that come with Christmas. We need to experience something real and something that we know can actually bring change to our world. We can find all of this and more in the Christ child. And again, we look at this, this theme verse, uh, again, of our Christmas season in Isaiah 9-6. Um, in this prophetic verse, it was written hundreds of years before Christ was born. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, we've looked at each description of this Christ child and explored how Jesus truly fulfills each of these roles in our lives as we continue in our faith journey with him. We started Advent with the candle of hope, with our celebration Sunday, with how God truly is our wonderful counselor and how he guides uh, everyone as we pursue him, as he guides us with his love and transforms us to be more like him with every step forward. Next, we, we uh, lit the candle um, of, of love, and we looked at the mighty hero Jesus and how God's love rises above everything else in our lives if we truly embrace the real Jesus. Um, and once we encounter that real Jesus, we will never be the same. And last week, we lit the candle of joy as we looked at the everlasting Father and how Jesus fills in where, wherever we fall short and that he will always be near. And today, we look at this final description in this prophetic verse the Prince of Peace. Now, when we look at this title, Prince of Peace, we, we have this, this idea, this, this uh, definition of peace in our mind. And, and most naturally, again, in our English language, when we see the, hear the word peace, the first thing we think of is the absence of conflict. Right? And, and yet, this, this word that is used here in the Hebrew language, the original language that Isaiah was written in, this, this prince of peace is, is a word way bigger than just the absence of conflict. You know, or um, the, the quiet or the calm. When we think about peace, it's, it's a word that, that has many connotations. And, and in fact, our, our, our English word really falls short of, of what is truly being communicated here in this verse. And in, in this word, this Hebrew word that is used here, the Prince of Peace, um, is the word shalom. Again, peace here, this verse equals the word shalom. That's literally the Hebrew word that's used. Now, when we look at this Hebrew word, this word shalom, it, it, encaps, it truly encapsulates many English words. Not just peace. It's translated here as peace, but it includes peace, justice, and wholeness. It means to be set right, to be restored. 
Shalom denotes justice, harmony, and wholeness in relationships that humans have with themselves, with each other, with God, and with the world around us. Unfortunately, there's no one English word that truly expresses the overall concept of shalom. Shalom um, is that perfect peace, that complete peace, that, that, that feeling, that, that, that concept, right, the posture that just sets everything right. This is the peace that Jesus is the prince of. It's the peace that Jesus offers those with a faith who are in relationship with him. Again, shalom is a rich word. It's a a word that is full of meaning and depth. It has to do with the completeness of life, that, that hole within us that only God can fill. In fact, our our human condition can be summarized as a lack of shalom. It's that empty feeling, that feeling like we always fall short because the reality is we do. But yet at the deepest level, shalom is what we all yearn to experience. It's that God-shaped hole in our heart that we constantly try to fill. You know, just re- it's strange to think that literally a year ago, the beginning of 2020, I started with a trip to the Holy Land. That's how I started out 2020, not knowing at all what was coming. It's crazy to think that it's been almost a year since I was there. However, just while in the Holy Land, you see, I literally, you see in all of the souvenir shops and all, all the places and all of the cathedrals and all the sites around the Holy Land, you see this word all over the place. And again, this word shalom, it's one that, that we see, and, and, but yet we oftentimes just miss the entire meaning of. Just to illustrate this concept, I want to look at this very familiar verse um, out of, again, one of the other Old Testament prophets, out of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And, and this is it's a very uplifting verse. It's a, it's a great memory verse. It's, it's one packed full of truth. But I bring it up today because literally what the, the literal translation of this verse would be, right? For I know the plans I have for you, the Lord. They are plans for shalom. Right? They are plans, again, for good, right? For a future and for hope. I mean, that's the concept of shalom. But yet, shalom's not just an individual concept. It's not something that just God has for each of us individually. It's, it's also very rooted in community. And it's a very relational word. In fact, it, it transcends even what we um, consider would be good, and, you know, it's hope, but yet realizing, even as we looked at last week with, with uh, again, the father figure of our God is that sometimes to get shalom, we need to go through hard times or discipline, right? But to, to find that fullness, right? Sometimes it's not just what we think of as good, but sometimes even what we might hope we don't have to deal with. As we see just, just a few lines before this very famous verse in this same passage of Jeremiah 29, 7, it, it, um, God is saying, he says, and for the 
and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Again, the context of of Jeremiah in these words is he's talking to an Israel that has been exiled to Babylon. They have been conquered, right? And they have been taken away from their home and and into a foreign land. And, and here we see, leading up into this verse, right, this is an encouragement from God of saying, hey, just embrace where you are. Continue to live your shalom, even in these hard circumstances. Even when you're in a place you never thought you would end up. Right? And he says, while you're in this place, work for the shalom of the city you're in. Right? Because even in the place where you are, like bloom where you're planted and find this same peace, even in the midst of turmoil. Pretty fitting words for 2020, are they not? Right? Will we find peace in the middle of our chaos? Right? We, we, we see and we get, again, how this, this shalom is truly found in community, right? no matter our surroundings. And again, we understand this concept of shalom, and even through this bigger context of Jeremiah, that, that makes these words of the New Testament even come a little more alive when, when we hear Paul and, and Peter talk about finding joy in the midst of the struggle. Can we find shalom? Because Jesus is the prince of shalom. When we in interact and experience the, the real Jesus, we, we will find things that don't make sense. How can we enjoy struggle? Right, how do we feel blessed to, to be in the midst of a storm? How, how can we find peace amidst the chaos? It's, it's found through the Christ child, through the, the real world changer, through our Messiah, Jesus. As we think about this and how Jesus truly fulfills the Prince of Peace in our lives, I, I want to look today to this story found in Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 48. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to look here at this interaction that Jesus has, um, this truly this interruption that happens in Jesus' life as he's... Uh, walking and teaching with his disciples and, and doing miracles among the people. We find this passage uh, where this, this woman approaches Jesus. We're going to look at this story here, Luke chapter 8. We're going to pick up at verse 40. So if you have a Bible with you, open with me to Luke. If, if, if you're here with us in person, there are Bibles provided for you. If you don't have your own, you'll find the page number there where you can find this passage in, in those Bibles. And if you're with us online, hopefully you can open up your Bible with me. We're going to look at this story in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. It says, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. And then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet and pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. 
But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. As we read this story, and, and again, there's, there's a lot here, and there's, there's a lot for us to unpack and, and some different things that we, again, cannot go into this morning for our purposes of celebrating Christmas. But I, I, I bring up this story with this woman and this interaction that Jesus has with this crowd. Because in this story, we truly see Jesus fulfill the role of Prince of Peace. In this, we see, again, many different ways that Jesus does this throughout this story. But, but, but first off, we, we realize that the Prince of Peace will help us through hard and frustrating situations. And the Prince of Peace will help us through hard and frustrating situations. We, we've all had those times. Right? So, some frustrating moments are just that, a moment, right? just trying to get to work on time in the midst of the traffic, right? or, or when the technology just doesn't work for you. Right? We've all had those frustrating moments, but, but not just those moments, but, but what if the situation's bigger than just the moment? Right? What if there's questions that, that we don't have the answers to? Can Jesus bring us peace even amidst those times? Can we see this woman in, in this crowd? And again, we, we're told a little bit of her background here in verse 43. It says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. And obviously, she has this medical condition this, that, that, that she just cannot get solved. In fact, if, you, if you're reading from from the NLT version, which is a version that our, our, our Bibles uh, are in the, in the seats. It's the version I read from. In, in verse 34, there's, there are 43, there's a footnote in the NLT version. I know other versions, some, some included in there, but the, again, the footnote says that some manuscripts add having spent everything she had on doctors. So not only was she not finding help, for her medical condition, but she had exhausted all of her options. I don't know about you, but we've kind of ended up there a couple times, you know, in our life, right, where something's wrong, and you've hit the end of the road of all of the options that are in front of you. And you can't find any answers. You can't find healing. You know, I think we, we understand the frustration of that moment. Again, I, I remember several years ago and thinking about just, just medical challenges and things when we're not sure what's going on. Uh, you know, again, as a parent, you can identify it, it's, it's hard enough for yourself, but when it's, when it's your, your child that is hurting and you can't find answers or cure, it's, it, it hurts you as much. I remember several years ago, I took Curtis into the ER because he had this sharp pain in his stomach and he was really struggling and and he was pretty little. He was about seven or eight years old, I think, when we got there. And, and we went in there, and, and again, you know, we did all the kind of regular parent things, and, and oh, it's just a stomach ache or whatever, and it just wasn't going away. And so, again, we decided, like, okay, we need to take him in. I take him in to get checked by the doctor. And I remember going in there, again, 
we've all been in the ER and those experiences and how long it takes and waiting on tests and kind of all these things. And, and I remember, again, Curtis uh, was still hurting. I mean, doubled over hurting. And after we'd been there for a long time and they hadn't really helped us at all and he was still, they, the doctor comes in and, and tells me, and says, well, we ran this test and it's fine and we checked this and not, nothing's wrong there. We, we did this and this and, and he kind of looks at me and he's like, there's nothing wrong. And that was the wrong thing to say to me in that moment. Right, because I knew the next line out of the doctor's mouth was, so go home. And I, and I just looked at him, at my kid, who's literally doubled over on the floor in pain, and I was like, you are telling me there is nothing wrong with him. Right? And, and the frustration in me was bubbling over in that moment. Right? And the doctor picked up on it very quickly and realized that he did not speak with correct phrases. You know, and he, his whole demeanor changed, he was like, let me, let me rephrase, right? All the tests were back normal. We're not, we don't know what's going on. We've all experienced those emotions, haven't we? Right, and think about this woman, where she's at. She is at her wit's end. She, she, her frustration is boiled over. She has no answers. All of her resources are exhausted. And yet she sneaks up behind Jesus with the only thing she has left, right? Which is hope and faith. And she, she again touches him and realizes, right, that, that here Jesus is helping her through this frustrating situation. He can bring peace in the midst of her chaos. Which brings us then to the next thing that we see happen here in this interaction between her and Jesus, that, that the Prince of Peace will eradicate fear, and he strengthens faith. Right? She had nothing left but her faith, right? and yet she came with that little bit of faith, and she, she snuck up behind Jesus and, and touched him, and, and yet we see again the, the aftermath of this miracle, right, as Jesus starts talking to his his disciples and say, who touched me? Somebody touched me, right? And Peter is kind of one of those moments he's like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Right? And Jesus is like, no, it, it, it's, it's something more than that happened. And, and again, we, we once again can identify with this woman who, who is scared that she's encountered Jesus. Her, she has been healed and yet she's still trying to conceal her identity. Right, in this moment, again, when we see her in verse 47 and 48, and it says, then the woman realized she could not stay hidden. Right, it's in that moment, she's like, I know I'm being called out. I know I have to come forward. I know I have to come clean. And she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Right, and then the, the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Again, think about that moment, right? When, again, you've laid it all out and now you have nothing but this shred of faith left and you end up at Jesus and now it's, it's the time of reckoning. You can no longer stay hidden. You have to step through the, the chaos and step through the uncomfortable you know, environment and all the own anxiety in her own heart and mind 
And she confesses. She lays it all out. Not just to Jesus, but to everybody around her. Right? But, but then notice, though, the, the very first words that Jesus speaks to her. Again, he's talked to his disciples, he's talked to the crowd, he knows what's happened, this has already been healed. And notice, again, she is trembling in fear. Right? She confesses it, and, and what's the first thing that Jesus does? He calls her daughter. Now, we, we can read right over that, and, and we, can pat, we can miss the significance of that title. Because, but think about where this woman's been. She has been, she has been um, accosted for years. According to the Jewish you know, um, tradition is that she is, because of her bleeding, she is unclean. Right? She cannot be around anybody that is pure. If they're around this woman or, or touch her, they, they will lose their ability to go into the temple. She has been isolated. She has been moved to a second-class citizen. Right? And yet, in this moment, she, she is taken by Jesus from an outcast to a family member. This is probably the first inclusive title this woman has probably heard her entire life. Right? When we realize that, right, we understand that the Prince of Peace then brings out our true identity. We just come where we are with all of our flaws and with, with uh, nothing left to turn to other than Jesus. When we end up at that point, that is when Jesus transforms us. Right? And can you imagine the look in Jesus' eyes when he hears an explanation from this woman and just looks deep into her soul and says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Right? And, and he, he again calls out her this, this title of daughter and she moves from outcast to family member and everything has changed for her. Right? And not only does the Prince of Peace bring out our true identity, but the Prince of Peace also restores broken relationships. Because again, she has been, you know, outcast by the culture. And yet it wasn't just Jesus that she that heard this explanation. It was the whole crowd. Right? The entire crowd heard why she had touched him and that, that she had been immediately healed. And Jesus then turns the entire relational structure upside down. Because she went from the title of unclean and excluded, right, to healed to purified, and to included. Right? And, and she, she now has these broken relationships restored. Yeah, the, again, the purity that, that has been brought to this woman. Yeah, notice again, Jesus didn't just say you've been healed. He says you have been made well. Right? He healed way more than her physical body that day. 
Right? He healed her, her broken psyche. He, he healed her broken relationships. He, he healed way more than her physical body. And yet we see this, this play out from Jesus of literally, it was just literally a touch made her clean. And again, this is exactly what Jesus does. He takes the world as we understand it and he flips it upside down. See, because up until the person of Jesus, in the Jewish code, even in their culture, in the, the temple law, said that if, if purity was lost by touch, if you were touched anything impure, then you you went from pure to impure, and you had to go through this whole ritual to be purified again. It only went one way, right? Purity was only lost through touch and through relationship. But, but here, notice what happened with Jesus and this woman. It went the other way. Right? Well, she was unclean, and now just because of one touch of the hem of his robe, and now she is made clean. And that's exactly what Jesus does. That's the core of the gospel message is that Jesus takes where we are and he flips everything upside down. We once were lost, but now we're found. We once lived in darkness, but the light of the world has now come. We were unclean, but through the touch of Jesus, we are now made And Jesus heals way more for her, and he heals way more for us than just physical healing or relational healing. He does it all. He is the prince of peace. Again, this is a 180-degree change in our life when we join the journey of faith, when we accept Jesus as our Savior. This is us, you know, moving away from God until we join the journey of faith and we accept Jesus as our life, and now we now turn around and start journeying towards the cross. Because Jesus takes everything and he turns it upside down. That's what the Prince of Peace does. He takes chaos and he turns it into joy. So as we think about that, I just want to throw this out to you. Have you accepted Jesus into your life? Have you made that turn? Have you been made clean? If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I, I hope that you will do that today. Just like this woman, all it takes is just a little bit of faith. Right? And, and accepting Christ as the Prince of Peace in my life and saying, God, I know that I need you. I know that I fall short. I know that I'm, I'm a sinner right? and I need my identity changed and I need my, my relationships restored and, and I need the Prince of Peace in my life. And if you've done that, if you've already received Christ as your Savior, if you've already joined the journey of faith and I would just extend the question to say, are you growing in your journey of faith? Because the reality is, he's, Jesus starts out turning our lives upside down, but he doesn't stop there. Right? We need to start moving in that new direction. We need to be growing closer to Christ every day, because not only is Jesus the Prince of Peace, but he is the true world changer, and it starts in your own world first. Right, as we think about this concept and this idea, and again, this, this, this fact that Jesus lives out the Prince of Peace, I want to c- conclude our, our time this morning just by, by looking at, again, this section of, of the Christmas story right, that is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. 
This is the part of the Christmas story where, uh, where the shepherds get brought in to the events of the night. When Jesus is born, right, and the shepherds are, are told right, through heavenly process right, of the angelic host that, that Jesus has been born, that the Messiah has come. It has happened that night. And as, as I mentioned earlier, a, a year ago, I was in the Holy Land, and, and one of the things, one of the places we went to was the shepherd's field. Okay, and, and so as I read this, I just let you stand in the shepherd's field and looking out over Bethlehem. It says in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because it was just as the angel had told them. You know, as we read this section of the Christmas story, we are just reminded one more time that, that the Christ child truly is the Prince of Peace. Again, what did the shepherds find? The, the shepherds found it was exactly as the angel had told them. Well, what did the angel tell him? Right, the angels told him, and we see in Again, in verse 14, we, we see the testimony of the heavenly armies, right, of these angels. It says the angel was, was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. This is an, an uncountable number. They were praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Again, the, the word that is used here by the angels, and again, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew, it was written originally in Greek. Okay, and the word that's used here, it says, glory to God, highest heaven, and peace on earth. This is here, the Greek version of shalom is used in this passage. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and shalom on earth. To those with whom God is pleased. Guess, guess who God finds delight in? All of us. 
Again, the angels declared the peace that Jesus would bring. Not the absence of conflict, right? but the fullness of life. That's what the angels declared. That's what the shepherds found. The shepherds found peace with what the angels said, and they, they found it all in Bethlehem on that night, just as the angels said. Again, the angels declared the peace. The shepherds found the peace. And, and even Mary, as she's briefly mentioned in this passage, you know, she found peace right, in seeing God's plan play out through her life. Can the angels declare the peace, the shepherds found the peace, and, and Mary kept that peace in her heart with everything that she went through. And as we think about, again, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, I, I, I want to close with going back to what Jesus said to this woman in Luke 8. Right? He, he told her, he said, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. Maybe you've already guessed, but what word do you think Jesus used for peace? It was, it was the Greek version of shalom. He told her, you have been made well. Now go in shalom. Do you have peace in your life? Have you experienced even a, a Peace of shalom. Because the, the, re, the reality is you can't find it without faith. I mean, right? That's what Jesus tells her. He says, you can try, but you won't find it any other way. But without asking for and receiving Jesus into your life, you won't find it. And boy, we try. But without fully surrendering to Jesus, every day of your journey... You will not fully experience shalom. So have you received the Prince of Peace into your life? Have you surrendered to the Prince of Peace in your life? Are you being journeying closer to him every day? I hope so. In the midst of our chaos, we can find peace. I'm going to lead you this morning with this final thought, which is the words of Jesus found in John 14, 27. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. As we look at all these different passages, right, the woman who was healed by Jesus was afraid. The shepherds were afraid, but yet... The presence of God, the Prince of Peace, will eradicate all of that fear. And I don't know what's holding you back in your faith, but I hope that the Prince of Peace will eradicate your fear and strengthen your faith. Lord God, we adore you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Christ child. God, that you could truly be the Prince of Peace in our own hearts. Lord, in our lives, in our families, in our community, Lord, in our world. Lord, we have so much to celebrate this year, even in the midst 
of hard times, God, we can find shalom with you. And we praise you for that. We thank you for that, God. We pray, God, that you would help us, God, to live out your peace in our life every day. God, that we live into that identity, God, that you call us. God, that we would shine your light, God, in this dark world. You would show people, Lord, who you really are. And Lord, that you are the only thing that can fill that void in our life. God, we thank you. We adore you. We praise you. Thank you for the gift of the world changing in Christ child. Lord, guide us as we go this week, as we live in our faith every day, and especially as we celebrate the gift of our Savior this week. Lord, we love you. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name.